So in a moment, Will Ross is going to come and share. I've, I've just personally, I've really blessed to get to know you over these last few years, Will. Will leads Buckskin Evangelical Church, also is the chair, as Margie said, at the beginning of One Church. And his, his leadership in this town is just a real blessing to so many of us. So, Will, we're looking forward to hearing from you, and thank you for agreeing to share today. Just before Will does, I've asked Harry if he'd come and just, just read the passage that Will is going to speak from, which is Luke chapter 4, 14 to 21. So, Harry, thanks very much. And then, Will, if you want to come straight up and share afterwards, that'd be great. Thank you. Great. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were were fastened on him, and he began by saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So is my microphone on? Can you all hear me? Great. Are you sitting comfortably? Please don't fall asleep. I've been told we've got to finish by quarter past. Is that right, Andy? Ish. You never say that to a preacher. Ish. Yes. Okay, let me get comfortable up here. And um, a question for you to start with. Who who do you trust? There was a poll done about um, professions that people trusted. And, uh, (coughs) excuse me, it came out that um, doctors are trusted by 89% of people, which is good, isn't it? When you go to see the doctor, that he tells you what's wrong, you've got rickets, you know he's telling the truth. We go down the list, 86% for teachers, scientists, 83%, judges, 82%. Here's a scary one, clergy. 66%. So that means two out of three pastors you cannot trust. Or you can only trust two-thirds of what your pastor tells you. It goes down, (coughs) excuse me, and it goes down and down, and it gets to journalists, 22%. And the last one, okay, is politicians. I am sorry, sir. <laughs> it's true. They came out, <clears throat> excuse me, with an amazing 18%. Um, and I, it just kind of reminds me of elections, isn't it? When, when the politicians stand up and say, this is our manifesto. This is what we're going to do in the next five years. Vote for us. And you sit there going, yeah, it sounds amazing. You get my vote. And, of course, we, we kind of look back on, on some governments and you realize that they never actually fulfilled what they promised. And here in this passage, which we've had read to us, is the manifesto of Jesus. This is what he's promising when he pitches up. 
And this is what he tells people he is going to do. And what he's saying to people is, this is my plan. So what did, actually, what did Jesus actually say? I'm going to break it down into three things. Okay, three things, because I know in my church they can only cope with three things. Okay? And three things you can remember, can't you? When you go to the shop, you need eggs, milk, and bread. Okay? Give you four, it's gone. So three things is what we're going to learn this afternoon. But the background to the story is amazing. You see, Jesus had been in the desert. He had been face-to-face with the devil. And the devil had tempted him. And offered him three times. And each time he pushed him away and said, no, this is what God's word said. I am not going to give in to your temptation. And we read at the beginning of the chapter that uh, he is full of the Holy Spirit when he comes back. He is absolutely pumped. He had overcome the devil. He is ready now to take on his mission. And that mission revolves around this passage. The passage is taken from Isaiah 61. And uh, it starts by Jesus saying, you know, the spirit of the Lord is on me. But what I want to say to you is that actually Jesus came out of the desert and he was on a mission. Look at that. Technology is working this afternoon. He is on his mission. And this mission is to, is to do a number of things. But you see, what got me from this passage is that Jesus was on a mission. And it could have been very easy just to have stayed in the desert. Could have been easy to say, no, actually, you know, I don't don't really fancy all this. Because actually, I know it's going to be hard. I know people are going to reject me. And if you read the passage on, people of Nazareth were ready to wring his neck and to kill him. He could have just stayed in the desert. But he had a mission. You see, when I read what Jesus did, I know that he called people to be his disciples. We, we know that, don't we? As Christians, we know about the disciples. There were 12 of them. But actually, what the Bible says is that every one of us who is a Christian is actually a... So you can say to yourself, I am a Christian. I am a disciple of Jesus. And so the mission of Jesus all of a sudden becomes the mission of his disciples, because the disciples were called to follow him, to live for him, to share others, share with others all about Jesus. And that is your mission, should you choose to accept it, to quote a great film franchise. And if you're old enough, a TV franchise. So the mission of Jesus is our mission. And, you know, I get the sense that actually when we hear what Jesus says, you know, I'm here to do this. What we're saying to the church today is, we're here to do this as well, aren't we? The mission of Jesus becomes your mission because you're a follower of Jesus. You're his disciple, and therefore you should be imitating him. And I wonder whether the church is doing that. Are you doing that? Do you know, I I really feel this is quite, you know, coming up here is a little bit stressful. But I find one of the most stressful jobs in church is to sit on the computer at the back, and to put up the words. Who's actually done that in church? Yep, you, you're with me, aren't you? It is so stressful, because everything's going fine, when all of a sudden, the screens go blank, as has happened. Can I just say this? so reassuring, because I just thought it happened in our church. <laughs> but it seems to happen in everybody's church. The screens go blank, 
And everybody suddenly goes, why haven't you fixed it? We've missed three lines. Well, we've missed a little bit more than that this afternoon, but you're going, why don't we? Why don't we? But you see, you know, I just sat there thinking, you know, we're all expecting something on the screen, aren't we? And we're not seeing it. And I wonder how God the Father feels about his church when it's supposed to be doing something and very often it doesn't do it. It's like it's showing nothing. I love church. I've been a pastor in Basingstoke 27 years. Okay, I love Basingstoke. I love the town. I love my church. And my heart is that the church does what Jesus wants us to do, to be on mission, to show the love of God, to share the good news of God. And it's the same for you and me. That's our mission, should we choose to accept it. The second thing we can see about Jesus was that he had an anointing. Okay, In the Old Testament, if you, if you like a bit of Bible stuff, they used to anoint uh, prophets, priests, and kings. And they were chosen, and then they were anointed with oil. And that was symbolic of the Spirit of God coming upon him. And Jesus turns up and says, actually, here I am. And he said, I am anointed to bring good news to the poor. The Spirit of God was on him and in him. And through the Spirit of God, he did absolutely amazing things. If you go back to your Sunday school days, listening to those stories... He walked on water. He healed the blind man, the lame man, the deaf man. He did some amazing things. How did he do that? Because he was anointed by the Spirit of God. He was empowered. Surely we need the power of God. And the good news, okay, this is good news. Find some good news this week, don't we? The good news is that when... You gave your life to Jesus. When you gave and you knelt down or whatever you did and said, Lord, I'm yours. You believed in him. The spirit of God came upon you and entered you and made you a very different person. We've been doing some stuff about uh, spending time with God alone. And I mean, interesting stuff about how when we spend time with God alone, we is it, is it me or is it a microphone? Sorry, it just sounds a bit weird. Sorry. When we spend time with God, we we become we we come back from that time different people. Uh, it's okay. It's just me. I'm not very good with these. Oh my goodness! I've got all these men running forward. Save me. Thank you. Yes, okay. Anyway, so when we spend time with God alone, we come back as different people. And this guy was talking about how, how when people enter a room, they bring something with them. And they, they were talking about a situation where if you were sat in a room, you know, not, not a room this size, maybe there were 10 of you sat around, and somebody comes in crying their eyes out. What happens? All the women get up and say, oh, oh, are you okay? And the men go, but, but it's true, isn't it? The, the kind of atmosphere changes. And when somebody comes in, they're really angry. Oh, just, and everybody goes, oh, okay, just, just leave them alone, just to calm down in the corner. And, but, but it's interesting, isn't it? When, when Christians walk into a room, what do they bring with them? 
they should bring love and joy and peace because the Spirit of God is upon them. And I want to say to you, as individuals, the Spirit of God is on you. And therefore, you should be a different kind of person. You should bring something with you to every room you walk into. And the church has got something to offer. Not because it knows what the Bible says, but because the Spirit of God is on the church. The power of God has been given to us as a gift. Surely we should be using the gift that we've been given. I often tell the story of the cardigan I got from my mother-in-law, bless her. She went to Next. I'm sure there was a sale on. And uh, she found uh, the weirdest cardigan you've ever seen. It was cream with diamond shapes on. I tell you, man, I, I looked at it. And you're always polite when you're given presents, aren't you? So thank you very much. I tell you, that present went straight in the wardrobe and did not see the light of day for five years. It was awful. I love my mother-in-law, by the way. But presents, you're not her strong point. But it was a gift I never, ever used. And we need to realize God has blessed us and given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And are we allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through us, to speak through us, to reach out and pray for people in their deepest needs? The third thing, because I told you there's three, you know the sermon's coming to an end, don't you? Uh, the third one is his message. Look what he says. He says, preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And everybody said, amen. Because you see, the message of Jesus was absolutely amazing. This was his manifesto. He turns out and says, this is what I'm going to do, everybody. And then he goes and does it. The blind can see. Those who are captive to demonic forces are set free. He said, this is the year of the Lord's favor. And so his message is our message. I just love what we've heard this afternoon, you know, the whole thing about working with refugees. But that is only a tiny part of what the church is doing in the town. There are so many things that the church is doing. It's showing the love of God, but it's sharing the message. Because the world, boy, does it need a message. It needs a message of hope in these dark times. We've just had two years of COVID. We're coming out of it, praise God. That was hard enough. And now we face the possibility of war in Europe going beyond the borders of Ukraine. It's even harder, isn't it, after two years of what we faced. Where is the hope? The hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ because it changes lives. It is the power of God, as Paul says, to change lives for eternity. We have that message. The question is, are we sharing it? Are we giving it away? I hope we are. As I've said, it's the power of God. It is what will change this world, this country, this town, this community. A message of hope, love, joy, peace, eternal salvation.
Amen. I haven't finished. Sorry. Just one more thing. How are we doing for time? Oh, I've got ages yet. One more thing. See, Jesus stood up, said, this is it. This is me. This is why I'm here. And then basically told his disciples, go and do the same thing. And the message of Jesus kind of gets passed down, doesn't it? Because it's in the Bible and it's picked up by you and I. The question is, what are we going to do about it? Yes? Okay. You get that? So, um, during lockdown, when I wasn't working, I have to say I wasn't working, sometimes in the afternoon you'd come downstairs because you couldn't go out and you'd have the telly on. Or my wife would have the telly on, of course. It wasn't me. Um, and, you know, there's all those programs in the afternoon, isn't there? From like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's quiz show after quiz show after quiz show after quiz show. And 5 till 6 is the chase. Who watches the chase? Three of you? Fantastic. The rest of you are working, obviously. The chase is on. You've all watched it. Don't go put your hand up and tell the truth. Anyway, so you know Bradley Walsh is there and you've got this big long thing and he asks a question. He says, you know, I don't know, how much does an elephant weigh or something? And he gives three answers. And the guy has, or the woman has to lock in their answer. That's my answer. Bang. And they press the button and the answer is locked in. And whether it's right or wrong, who cares? But I can't, I've that thought, you know, lock in your answer. So my question to you this afternoon is this. His calling is your calling. Are you going to fulfill that calling in your life? Lock in your answer. Is it going to be? It's too costly. It's too difficult. It's inconvenient. Or are you going to say this afternoon? Yes. Because the world needs you. This community around this area, my community, needs us. The town needs us. God has given us a task. Let's lock in our answer and say to him, yes. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we want to thank you. We thank you for Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who came to show your love, the one who gave his life to save us. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the example that he gave us of how to live for you. We thank you for his mission. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for the message. Lord, we thank you that what he had has been passed to us. May we as the people of God, may we as Christians, may we as the church fulfill that calling. May we today say yes. Amen. Bless you. Thank you.